Hey there, everyone. I'm your host, Rodney Elmer. Welcome to the Mountain Deer Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Ryan Elmer. How you doing, Beef? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, I've had a day. <laughs> <laughs> and my other co-host, Taylor Elmer. How's it going, Dad? The man behind the computer. What's the up, buddy? The man gets it done. Yeah, the now man we're... who makes the plan. We do our best. That's for sure. Today, we're going to figure out, help you figure out, and help you guess, <laughs> help yeah. you come to yeah, a logical basically. conclusions about what happens when you jump that big buck and now he's on the move again. Beef, there's a whole bunch of things here. There's I mean, let's go you, down the list of what happens you when you start? get that big buck moving. Now, there's a, there's a whole bunch of different scenarios. Okay, let's do like scenario one. Okay. So what well, we got uh, let's, let's, let's talk scene. about a few past bucks and what happened, right? Let's talk right. about a few past <laughs> bucks <laughs> that we that we, you know, kicked up either inadvertently or they just happened to smell us and we didn't see them. All right. But like we're tracking a big buck, we come to where the sign is super fresh. Like there was a bed Yep. And now there's a running track running away. You know, that's kind of like scenario number one. That, that, really that you is didn't very, see the thing. That's a very typical scenario when it comes to tracking. Yeah, it, it's smoking fresh. You mm-hmm. didn't see the thing or, or, or you just heard it or right. you just saw a tail. And now it's off and going and we walk up to that evidence and he's on the move now. And what's the first thing you got to really deal with here? Well, and what hap- what's happened on a few of our the, the first things first is you got to have your swear moment, whatever you're like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Whatever, whatever oh, you're kind name. of like your first thought, you're like, oh, <laughs> right? You're like, you're, whatever that thought. Yeah, well, the first, the first things first is regardless of what the circumstance is, anytime that you think you've jumped a deer, you see evidence that you've jumped a deer, you got to stop and look around, right? Because a lot of times they don't go that far you know, deer are like rabbits. Sometimes they have a tendency to circle. They want to, and if they didn't like really know what happened, yep. sometimes they'll want to come back and check it out or they won't go far and they'll stop and look. Mm. The other thing I've had too is I've jumped a deer and one deer jumped, but there's two yes. that, that was in the vicinity yes. of, that, of that moment and they didn't go anywhere. The doe ran. Right, the doe ran. The big boy standing there, well, why are you running? What's wrong? And he could, because he's at a different um, vantage point, so he's not able to see what jumped her, or she got a, a whiff of you, and he didn't smell you, and you, you got to stop. Yeah. I think that for me, that's yes. the biggest thing. When you jump a deer, you got to stop and get your bearings and observe your surroundings because there's there's more going on than. In the other the thing snow. too is you have to set. You also have to set kind of some ideas. Like if you this is jumping a deer without knowing what the deal is. Right. Like right. when you, so you start on a track, uh, say, you know, early morning, typical, you hop on it, everything's great. You're following along. There's no indications of any kind of like stress or activity, just kind of like moseying through the woods. You come to a bed or you come to a spot and then all of a sudden it's running tracks, right? Where it stood there for a while. You do the four wheel stop where you say all four feet were together. Deer don't normally all of a sudden just start running mid go they well, stop for no, no reason you well know what i mean like when they're all alone they'll be like what was that and then how many boom. how many small deer we've been on that just started running and then back to yeah walking. but not not started yeah running. but that's them on a mission though that's not them moseying through the woods if they're like super chill right and all of a sudden they stop and then run right you gotta have the that's, right attitude that's to go like you know that's what i mean right. that there's right. an attitude that goes with that and right then they stop assessed 
for some reason decided that they should head out and then they start running. If you got to stop and take it in because you don't know what you're dealing with, right? Sure. You have to like look, you got to look the track over. And the other thing too is just because it's running doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. Doesn't lot, mean it ran away. A lot of people, a lot of people think that like when you jump a deer, game over. No, it's like now you know it's fresh. Oh, right? yeah, One of the yeah. best ways to freshen up a deer yeah. is to, to really run into it. And a lot of times when you don't have good snow and you don't, like you're not really on anything, finding a running track sometimes is the best. But yeah. when have you? What's a good? Uh, what's a good scenario and lesson that this happened to you, Dad? Let's let's hear it. Come well, on. Well, when you and I were double teaming, and we had that monster monster over by the pass. The ridge uh, next to the pass, right? Legends. Legends. Legends right? of the fall. Yes. Whoa. Yeah. Yep. Bum, bum, bum. There you go. He was a beauty, and everybody was after that bugger. Yep. He had a beautiful fat track on him. Um, he's He's been cruising and, and messing around, does a little bit of eating, moves up the mountainside, um, slides into a beautiful flat of hardwoods, and then there's a little bit of greenery coming up ahead of us. And we're just easing along and we're looking for deer. The deer is easing and we come around the corner and there's a giant bull and we're filming that. And we mm. go a little farther and there's another <laughs> moose and another bull and we're filming that. I've and been then, waiting for this scenario to come back up and it hasn't yet because oh, I'm ready for it now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So Taylor and I, we're, we're, we're sliding along and... and I'm saying, don't look at the moose. Just keep looking everywhere else, right? And I'm in the back seat, and mm. I'm 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 filming a little bit, but he's looking for deer. We don't ever stop looking for deer. Back seat is, and he's he's on he's on the six. He's I've got yep. the gun, so I'm the lead. I'm yep. taking the shot on this one, and he's my cameraman for the day. Yeah. So, and and when you're on on somebody's six, like you're the second second hunter in a in a you know two man team. Or, or you're filming one or the other. You don't want to be more than just a few feet away from each other. Pretty much within arm's reach. Yeah, I like to be nice and tight. Most to of the time, each other. five feet's too much. Right. right. You got to be within arm's reach because it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I've, like, screw, I've screwed how many, some deer up that. How like, many times, oh, though, have like you and I been on a track and you've, been, you've seen something yep. and you've stopped me? And yep. then we were able to actually do something about it. Yeah, the guy in the back sees radar, right? And he's, he's going bing, he bing, bing, yep. right there, right? And the pilot's the one that's going to do the shoot, and he's out front seat. So as you're going along, and now I'm saying, you know, my hair's standing up. I just, I, I go with my feelings all Something's the time. And the buck is going real easy. He's, he's kind of nosed up to these moose a little bit. He sees them. He's about 50 or 60 yards downhill from them. And he does a, a sideways to them, and he walks parallel to the ridge and just down over the hill a little ways. And then there's a little brook and some some small balsams and, and greenery coming up ahead of us, and we're in some beautiful he did a 90 hardwoods. first. Yes. He followed a skid trail straight down, and all of a sudden he turned to 90 and went to go across the brook you were talking about. Yes. And as soon as he did that 90, he did we a double like, stop and yep. then took a 90. And I'm like, oh, right here, right that, here. That is game time yeah that was game time that's attitude um, shift we uh, you got to be on it yeah almost the same exact thing as grunt buck with you guys this year same exact just scenario about, yeah. it did yeah. just yeah. about a 90 right so now our hair is standing up and we're going along and it's real swirly we're just off yeah, the, the lip the of the hill and, and the wind is a little swirly and when the wind's swirly of course you, you want to keep it moving right along kind of ish as fast as you can but also too as as well thoroughly as you can you'll you'll right. always be trying to make a mix of speed 
and your ability to look the woods over thoroughly and not miss anything and just kind of do the best you can, the quickest you can. Because the more you stand there in a swirl, they're going to get yeah, you. Yeah, the, right? the more oh, saturated yeah. your wind is yeah, into the air. Yeah, right out, right? Yeah. So him and I, you know, I, my hair standing right up and I'm saying, <laughs> you watch that greenery right there. He, he's going to be right here someplace. And we didn't go another 75 yards, just cross a little brook and a buggered laid down, I don't know, 25, 30 yards from the brook, which for a really big not buck even. is a little it's unusual. Weird. That, he he kind of parked. It was a nice spot he was, where you he could was, see. He was a bigger buck. And he was a nice deer. Yeah. But he wasn't an old buck. Not though. a monster. No. no. Like a four-year-old. Yeah. Three, four-year-old. Even you know, then, nice yeah, deer. more on the three side than anything. Yeah. But big deer. Oh, beauty. Big you deer. know, 210 probably. And and anyway, he he has somehow either spotted us when we were back by the moose or, ways. He could see probably 150 yards in some of those woods. Yeah. And if he's laying down and we're moving and he's not, you know, he picks us out. Oh, yeah. He has the advantage in that situation. Yeah, he sees some movement over there. And now, see, we don't understand if he smelt us or if he didn't, if he just saw us. We, we just don't have a clue now. And we see the bed, and now it's an easy jumping, hopping track yep. down the hill. It parallels the brook for a ways. Um, Probably what 150 yards or so. Yeah, it wasn't downhill, that far. and then he switches brook sides. Of course, we, the the you know the kind of woods that we're in is relatively open. You have sparse little spots of green when you start coming down over the top of the ridge, but most of it's big hardwood though. Yep. And that that pitches down towards the bottom uh, valley that goes up on another nice ridge, and there's a little there's a brook and a beaver pond, and there's kind of some nasty stuff down when you cross the down the low. logging road and you get yeah. down low. But most of it's big open hardwoods, and he's going right into the kind of the slashy greenery end of things because he was bedded right in the open. Yeah, he was like in a, a fairly open. Like just yeah. the thing you dream to see, to come over the top and see him down in the clear cut laying there or, right. or in the hardwoods. If he'd have been want. on his feet, we more likely would have seen him. Yes. But see, he was laying down, so now it's just a head somewhere mm -hmm. down there, you know, and the bugger gets us, and, yep. he, and he just jumps off. So we continue down the track. The wind now is a little bit more in our advantage, a little bit, for just a short while. Because it's kind of paralleling down the hill in the brook. He's running east and down the hill, and the wind's out of the west. So we're opposite him. He's switched sides of the brook. Um, he's jumped downhill a ways. But we can see like a little island of a few spruces, probably like 30 spruces that are about... 15, 20 feet tall, mm. and there's some cuts coming up downhill. The cuts are probably a quarter strip mile. Strip cuts, too. Strip cuts and yep. stuff that run down the hill. Lots and he, we know he, he wants to head down by the river. You know, the river is a great place in that area. There's a pretty good-sized river, and he's going to use that to get rid of us. You know, very few people will walk across the river. So they'll, you know, the river's a couple jumps for them. And and so he, he takes off and heads down the hill, but he— jumps the brook, ends up on the wrong side of it. We're looking across the brook, and there's this little green island uh, coming up. And I said to Taylor, mm -hmm. I said, he's going to stop in that little, he's got a little overhead cover to hide under, just and he's going to be it. standing in that greenery down there looking for us. So real slow, we creep down through there. Now, this is about probably 350 yards from the bed. Max. At the most. Max. Yeah, and he's he's... Relatively inexperienced deer. Yeah. He At least lopes, with us, anyway. He lopes um, probably 25, 30 jumps, and then goes to a trot, and he trots down like a, a real fast kind of trot, not quite a canter. He's going down the hill. So he crosses the brook, and we're just going real easy. We, he's on his feet now, and there's no reason to hurry. And if he's going to stop, we don't want to ram him. 
Yeah, you don't want it like twice in a row. Yeah, you don't want to hit him hard. You know, if you hit him soft in the beginning and and like he got up and he just knew something wasn't quite right and he just moved off, which they see a lot of things that aren't quite right and they just move off. And I'm sure the average deer just moves off from a million things that all the time, all the time. Right. So he just moves off a ways and we, we let him move off a ways. And then he, he hops and skips down and he crosses a brook and we're going nice and slow and easy. And we're looking and hoping for him to stop. And I'm reading the canopy way out ahead of us. We're probably 200 yards from this little green patch of, of, of fir and, and spruce down there. It's not little stuff though. The, the trees are like 30 footers. You can see them from, a, you know, 200 yards away easily. You can see this little green, like, island of greenery down Oasis. There. Yes, and, and it, he's, he's about to cross the brook, right? He's pulled right close to the brook. He was 7,500 yards in the brook running down the hill, and then he pulls right up to the brook, and we know right off the bat he's going to cross. And his tracks are really pointed at this little green island coming up in the distance. So we're crawling along nice and slow, and now the bottom of the island is starting to come into view as we're walking along. And I said to Taylor, I said, we've really got to watch that green patch right there because he'll pull down just like a bass that you spook. It runs over to some lily pads somewhere else. That's what the deer a lot of times will do. They'll run to another patch, another patch of lily pads, right? Especially seen, like deer and prey animals, right? Right. So and looking for some security. It's nothing but hardwoods everywhere, and yep. that's some security. Open, and there's a roof the over vulnerable. his head, right? Vulnerable. The, even the bass feels better sitting under the lily pad, right? So <laughs> this... The, Never seen one sitting over a lily pad. Well, it's a natural pattern that works <laughs> for fish. So, you know, that they would work beautiful for deer. And and he, sure enough, he, he hops his way down, and he gets into that those green and he's standing there now the greenery are not very wide they're 30 40 yards wide at the most you can see right through the trees underneath and mostly the entire length of the brook is basically the green ribbon that runs down through so basically wherever they couldn't pull the nice softwood out of right is where they left all the trees so there's like a green ribbon that runs down next to this oasis which he crossed going to yeah and, and, of course, we're pulling down, and our attention is, is focused where the tracks are headed, which is for this little green island down there, and we're pulling up to it, and we're looking in underneath, and we're going nice and slow looking for him. And as we get down, and we're getting a little bit closer, and we ease across the brook, and we just start up on his side, and now he's, he's gradually becoming more downwind of us all the time, which means we can't go super slow because... He's way more likely to but smell us. But by the other, by the other hand, you also can't boogie right along either. No, because because he's you looking. you have to see him and you can't spook him and you got to slide right in there and get a, get eyes on him to see if it's got a rack, see if yeah. it's a buck. You know, if you're really running 100 miles an hour, they'll let you run 100 miles an hour right up to them just about sometimes. You know, you can go like crazy. But if you make eye contact, a lot of times, whoop, up and away they go. And, and we're easing down through. If you get really creepy, crawly predator, that isn't good either because it's like he's putting the moves on me. Yeah. Right? And, and the deer takes off, right? So we just come kind of steady like we're two little Ewoks minding our own business. Plowing like a moose. Dum-dee-dum down the hill. And he, for all we know... Um, he he thinks we're a moose. I mean, he has no idea what we were, especially at a distance. If he didn't smell us, and we don't. We haven't confirmed that he knows it's us, right? So as we ease down there and we start looking through and under and around, and I I spot him. I see his hindquarter and his rump sticking out from behind a tree, and over the top of that, I can see it looks like an eyeball and half of his face. Mm-hmm. 
And I said, the tail is right there. And I get my gun right up on it, and I look at it, and the two of us are side by side now, and, and we've, we're, we're both right side by side, and Taylor's trying to spot it, and I'm, I'm telling him right exactly where the deer is standing there. And I pull up my gun real quick, and I look at it, but I can't see antlers, but boy, I can see his face, and I can see you know, about half of his rump and his left hind quarter and his leg, left hind rear leg all standing there. You know? So he's right there. And from where I'm standing, I'm probably, I don't know, I must be 18 inches. Our heads are basically 18 inches apart, max. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and the only thing, the only thing I can see yeah. after Dad kind of points him out, all I can see is the right half of his face, ear, and a little bit of his leg sticking out behind the tree from the rest of that. Like, that's the, that's the difference between where you were standing and where I was standing was almost an entire deer width. Yeah. Down range, right? All I've got is a face. Yeah. And, and he's looking that, right at us. When you're double teaming, that's the case all the time. Oh, well, yeah. one guy can see, the other one can't necessarily. Because right. you, like, yeah. you slide over and the entire woods are different. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, so. and your, your reconnaissance guy in the back, right? The guy who's doing the radar, right? Mm-hmm. The radar man. He, he's looking everywhere, trying to just spot things. So, like, the pressure is off for the shooting part of it. When you're the guy in the back, you, the pressure's off for you. And, and the two of us are... are trying to scooch over nice and easy and the deer is watching us and we scooch over just a little bit and he's looking at it with his gun and he's like man I can't see horns I can't confirm right now can't get a good shot it's the deer right but but, that's yes but your training says look we need to see horns we need to know for sure what we're looking at things happen right and it's like you never know because he could have continued right across the brook and went out, and that's another deer standing that's on his tracks one. and oh, a doe or something. They do that you know, all so. the time. And, yeah, that's right. and it's like they try and brush you regardless, off. Regardless, regardless of how good your spotter is, you have to see horns. Yeah, you're the one pulling the if trigger. You can't you see. You know see what I mean? Horns. Because if he thinks he sees horns and you rely on his maybe, and you shoot it, next thing you know, you don't have a license. Or you like, weren't even the, the same deer. Yeah. You might not even be yeah. actually looking at the same Or you shoot like a deer. smaller buck or something. It's like it's not exactly what you want. Or you so. shoot at a buck with only one antler. <laughs> yeah, that's right? okay. As long as it's a legal buck, who cares? Or it was but. a legal buck, but one, one of us is seeing a doe, and the other one's seeing the horns, and then it swaps. Yeah. That, that was another, that was another good story. That's a great there. story. Wow. We can get into that one in just a second. But the, the, the real, that was one, the that was one of the, the stressors was because you can see it, you're not the shooter, and I can't really see it. I know he's right there. I can see him now, yeah. and I can only see part, and I don't really have a shot. I'm not going to shoot him in the face. No. Right? Like no. some kind of nut. Or part of Or in the foot. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not taking, I'm not no, taking a not junk happening. shot. No. And you only had, we only had, that whole thing probably went down three seconds. Four yes. seconds, right? They're they are so fast. They and then of course, I step down just another half a step downhill, and I swing my rifle up, and I'm looking at him just as perfect as I can, and I cannot see antlers, and I want to see how big this buck is, right? It's a decent one, but I want to see some rack. I, I want to see just what this is a chance to see what he's got on his head, and you kind of slide your gun down and you shuffle over just a little bit while I'm watching and we're side by side, you know, and we're trying to get a good look and I'm watching in my scope and the deer turns. And when he turns, I see the beam. The branches move. I see the branches move. Now, it wasn't real high tines. He just had big, low, wide Nice, beam. big square. Nice, nice, big square. Taylor's shape, favorite rack, shape, you know. And Taylor's. he turns, and the beams are right up, you know, out by his eyeball, almost to the end of his nose. 
and he turns and, and takes off and runs down the hill. And of course, he runs perfectly in my crosshairs as he's going down through the woods right there, you know. And, and, and away he goes. And Taylor can't get on him quite quick enough. And this was going to be your deer. I'd already shot one. Yep. Right. You, so, you had your rifle bird hunting. Right. Yeah. So you were, you well, were, you were, and, was, and my gun's empty anyway. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. I got the bullets. You know, but I, and, and of course, and it's a backup rifle. And it's a backup me. rifle. Like a sure. shoot fell or something and messed your scope yeah. up. But, and I'm just looking and away he goes. And I'm like, wow, well, I could have had him. I felt pretty good because I could have taken the shot right there. You know, I, I so had typical. A, a, a couple little quickie places where I could have just shot him as he ran down through the woods. Um, he was probably at about 75 yards. So, off he goes and then the two of us head right over to where he was standing and we're looking at the track and yep this is him and oh he stood here for a while you know you you could tell all of those things yep pacing and back and forth now now is the time we got to leave him alone right yep. i i definitely want to leave him alone the second time you hit him two bumps in less than a half an hour yeah yep. it's time to leave that's him alone. a lot Let him so calm down yeah so he he jumps off and runs down through the cuts and now he's he's hopping along he's really going. good right the only problem is where he's going, there's no snow. <laughs> the We're way, in yeah, two inches of the snow ra- up high. The way the, the ridge was shaped and kind of the way the storms blow in through there, wow, it, it, it dumps it all on top, and then, you know, it that's protected pretty good. But as soon as you get down where it's open, they did a little bit of logging and put the roads in and stuff. Down there, there's no snow, and it's wet. So if it takes wow. a lot of snow in order to get to stick and not just get melted by the water down there. So Yeah, it's a sizable brook. We had to chase that thing down there, there and we, he just disappeared nothing we could do and and even then we were chasing Hours. just tracks yeah just looking for a track and there was a little patchy snow here and there and we were hoping to pick up one track in a snow someplace just to indicate the direction now this is about 2 two thirty in the afternoon when we're down to the bottom and we start into this big jungle and it's thick and it long and it's it's probably there. three and a half miles long it's only about a half mile wide but it's three and a half miles long and it's just like there's two a huge brook and then a really big river and he's in between the brook and the river and he's headed north and junk going through all the garbage and now he's in the soft green underneath and we just cannot do anything with the track anymore so we just hunt in that direction just going along kind of steady just looking for him hoping to see him again hoping to bump into him or something and of course it never did and we went home with our tail between our legs you know it's just there's nothing else you could do and that's just the way it went but that was one of those scenarios where you do all you can with what you got you definitely stay close to your wingman right your wingman has got to stay right on top of you especially if you're trying to film it oh i've got to do that and and there's a a sync to your movement that needs to happen all the time where the guy in the front is setting the pace. He picks how fast the two of you are moving. He yep. also picks where the two of you are going to walk. Yep. And as soon as the real, the guy in the back starts stepping away and walking a different route than the guy in the front of him, it changes the whole ball game yeah. and it could be disastrous. A couple of times it wasn't. A couple of times when one of us stepped off to the side, it was a huge help. But more often but than not, it most of the time that's not the Most of the time, because your your yeah. movement gets spread out, and now and that's also more uncomfortable. Well, the and you got two, two things moving. It's also at spreading your scent around in a wider berth because now the wind, if it comes through, it's got a, more chances of it to pick up you guys and then throw your smell around another big part of it of course is if the most of the time like especially up there the deer are used to being chased a lot 
So oh, yeah. they, instead of worrying about running into things, they worry about something being behind them. Yep. And so they run with the wind and they keep checking, scent checking their back trail. They right. smell behind them. So like when they're running with the wind, there, there's absolutely nothing you can do, but just continue moving and don't go too slow, but don't go too fast and check as much as you can check for in between and mm -hmm. just feel your way along, you know, and it is what it is. You, sometimes you just nothing you do. You I'd just go right ahead. The speed, the speed that always seems to work, um, whether you just jumped a deer or not, um, is however fast you can go through the woods and not miss anything. You know what I mean? Depending right. on the kinds of woods. So like the tighter, the tighter the woods are, you have to go slow because you could just right. pop into any moment, but by the same token, you can see, and you know a little bit more when you get into like big open hardwoods and you can see in, in 300 yards in all directions, right? There's a long ways you got to look and that it's more ground and farther out. And it's like deer don't miss anything. It takes, time, it. To it takes all time to scan. Yeah, it takes yep. time to see the whole thing. So you have to make your steps or however far you're going and stopping have to be smaller in order for you not to miss anything. Because it's easy to jump a deer at 200 yards and not see anything if you're out in the open. By the same token, you don't want to get in a big, wide open mountaintop and then just come to a stop and never move because you can't see it all, right? I mean, yeah. you have to just say, okay, yep. it's time to go. And at that point, I'm like, well, what do my feelings say? You know, right. what does the ground say? Is there a bunch of trails going in this direction? Right. That's the way I ought to go. What are the vibes telling you? Right. What is the local wildlife doing? Yeah. I'd say like, a, like an easy thing to do would be, you know, if you jump a deer regardless of whether you think he really made you or not, like if he knew it was you, got a good scent or whatever, stop and chill for a while. Yeah. It, yeah, does, right. it doesn't hurt to give them a little bit of a break where they can be like, hmm, maybe, it's not maybe, it's, maybe it was nothing, right? And for them to like get back on the deer brain and start feeding or start walking or look for another place or do, it, do whatever they're going to do, if you chill for a while, like 10, 15 minutes doesn't hurt. Because the other thing, too, is it gives you a bit of an opportunity to see what's going on around you. Like Ryan had said earlier, if there was more than one deer and you jumped one and you stop and stand there and just like you're chill for a while, you might also see another one start walking. Or it didn't go as far, but it's out of your sight and now it comes back into view. Like when you They're jump a deer, chill out for a too. while, like take a break. If yep. they didn't get a good whiff of you or they just saw something real quick, because yes, they're prey animals. So their first instinct is to get out of the way. And then if all See of a sudden up. and nothing comes out of it, they're like, what, what was that anyway? Right. How many times the little deer, when I filmed it, mm -hmm. little, um, little effer, same thing. I jumped him out of his bed. He took off running. And I'm like, well, my gun was on my shoulder. Nothing I can do. He was gone. I said, well, he's gone. Well, I might as well do an update because we were filming. I took out my camera and started talking. He did a big circle and came right back to his bed. He did probably a 200-yard circle because I spooked him. He was laying down, but I came through some greenery, so, and I was wearing white. So he had no idea what I was. All he knows is there was something coming at him, and he's a prey animal, so it's, it could be danger. Let's just get out of here. And then I didn't pursue him, so he's like, well, maybe it was something. Did was you it? see him run? Yeah. yeah. I saw him take off yeah. when he, the first time, and I was like, well, there's a deer. So my first instinct was, whoa up. So mm -hmm. I stopped on the other side of the greenery. Did you call I did not call. Did not call. If I grunted to him, he probably would have stopped hmm. at the time. Or not, though. Or not. Mm -hmm. It could have changed things dude, because call, he was call. a little buck. Yeah. 
Mm. He was a spike horn at the time. So if I grunted, it might have been too aggressive for him because there were some big boys kicking around in there. Yeah. And he might have been like, well, there's a big guy in there. He's going to come beat me up. So goodbye. And at the time, I had not had the experience of grunting working yet. Not to my knowledge, but he came back and did a big loop. And while I'm filming him, you can see him come in behind me. I noticed him. I was like, oh, well, there he is. And I swear. And I filmed him <laughs> running away. <laughs> the traditional F-bomb, he said. Yep. yep. And, but it goes to show, though, like the, if I had stopped and didn't take the camera out and I had just chilled. You could have got him. No problem. I, he would have walked. He walked within 75 yards of me. Well, that's, that's where filming can cost you some deer. Right. right. If you decide yeah. to film, it's going to cost you some deer and yes. you've got to be willing to pay the price. It could cost you the biggest buck of your life. Right. Some of them deer, oh. holy smoke, some of them yeah. are big, you know, and, and of course, it's always a decision about calling right when you first jump them. And most of the time, some kind of noise of some kind has got their curiosity up. I've yelled at them just, hey. Yeah, that's, that's work. Yeah, that's brought them right to a halt when they were on a dead that's, run. That's stopped them before. That's that's pushed some serious deer away from me. Hey, and they go, yes. wop, 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 wop. Right, and, and they say, really? Well, that's what I'm doing. They I'm say, waiting. hey, about this, peace. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. away they go. Right. Yeah. There, there's a time like to call and to not call, and it varies so much. Yep. There's been a million times where I was so glad I called. Um, I'm tracking a little six pointer in Vermont. I come over a, a little rocky knoll. There's a little tiny hardwood bowl right in front of me with greenery on each side of it and some kind of big bouldery grotten kind of rocks, you know, big granite round mm -hmm. rocks. Classic. Yeah. Classic boulder pile right. rotten. And he's laying on the left side of the bowl and I walk to the top of it and I stop and I just stand there. And then I hear cha chum, cha chum, cha chum, and I go, eh. And I grunt, and he runs right out into the little flat bowl right in front of me and comes to a stop, and he's listening, and he's like, well, I just heard that. Where what is, is that? Where right? is it? And he's looking up the hill right at me. He's about 50 yards away. I'm just a young fry, younger than you guys are now, and I've got my 30-30 lever action. No, right? Jesus. Yep. The rifleman. And I put it right on his front shoulder, and I pull the trigger, and it he almost falls right completely down, but he manages to stay on his feet. And of course, because I called, he thinks you're deer. He thinks I'm deer and he doesn't know where the danger, the shot came from. All he knows is I've got to get out of here. And if there are deer up the hill, I should go be with them deer and we'll all run away together. Right. Safer in numbers. That's right. So he comes running up the hill right at me. And of course, being a lever action doesn't take long to get the next yeah, one. You've already got one in. Almost instantly. And actually. the hammer's back, and he's running up that sight picture right at me, <laughs> coming right up the hill just as nice and gets about 30 yards. And now he's not running so good, and he comes to a stop. And that second one, it was over, yep. right? And by calling, that really worked out. I mean, what better could, thing could you hope for than to call to a deer and him, then have him shoot him and he comes running right at you. Right. Yeah. And that just like sold me on calling Less of a when way you to drag. <laughs> right. So from then on, I'm like, I got to call when I jump him. I got to call when I jump him. So now I start doing it like all the time. And there's a few of them that have really freaked out. It has scared them. That grunt has really scared them. I'm less likely if, I, if it's a buck and a doe together and I jump them, I definitely don't want to grunt that much. 
Right. I might do it the first time, especially if it's before, if I grunted my way up to them and they had a good chance of hearing me and then they took off, there's no sense on me now grunting more because he heard me in the beginning. He already heard you, yeah. Right. He already knows so if I get that. up to him and the doe hears another buck coming, oh my God. She's already God. being pestered she's now. She's been pestered by him for who knows how long. And now he's up and she's up and away and he's still standing there, yep. right? And, and I'm focused on her because she's a running away deer and I need to see what it is. So I look at her and now she's gone. And now I go back to looking again. Like I don't want to move. I don't want to do anything. Let's right. look. And I'm looking and looking and looking nice and hard and I don't see anything. And I take two or three steps and that bugger takes off, you know, 25 yards for the right or the left or whatever. Right. Blows at me and it sounds like a freight train. And then <laughs> off he goes and I'm like, damn, I didn't see him. Now, if I'd have stood my ground and just kept quiet a little bit longer, it would probably been a good thing. So like with a buck and doe scenario like that and only see one deer run, it doesn't hurt to give it a break. I think most of the time it doesn't hurt to give it a break because you really, you're not going to mess it up by, by not charging in there. Right. Because that's probably one of the biggest tips is just chill out. Especially if you've got time, if you're in the first half of the day, relax, or even if you've got a couple three hours and you just kicked them up, there's no hurry. If you're at three 30 and you've hit them four times, and he knows you're coming anyway. He's you've gone. hit them four or five. I've had a couple. I've hit them 12 times, not hit them, shot them, but I bumped into that this one deer 12 times in one day. So he's really on to me. I mean, I just keep coming and coming, and he's trying to figure, why is this guy keep coming, right? Because he wants you for the wall, yo. And because <laughs> I've already done it that much, and it's the end of the day, and it's a Sunday, Right? right. I'm going to give her some. I'm just going to keep coming. I'm just going to be steady and I'm just going to keep coming and I don't care and I'm just going to keep coming. Time right? is of the essence. Yeah, and especially if he's headed for the truck, right? right. He's going in the direction <laughs> already, of the yeah. truck. He's already going that way. That's right. He can at least have the courtesy to make it a shorter drag. <laughs> That's right. So that works out well. If, the, if that'll go that way, I'll definitely take advantage of it. But you'll always be making like some decisions. And some of them are right, some of them are wrong. Some of them work for some people, they won't work for somebody else. You'll have to figure a lot of this out for yourself. And the only way is good old trial and error, right? Just get in there and do it right. But a lot of times, I think the best rule of thumb is give them a minute. And then when you start in on them after you've bumped them, now you got to go slower. Because the element of surprise has now been ruined. Yes. And now they know you're coming. There's some expectation. In That's there. right. And, and they're, they're going to be looking. And even if they go to chill out, they're not the same animal as what you did before. And now they're going to be on it. So what do you think is another, another piece of it? What's something else? What do you, what do you look for? Like say, you've, say we just jumped a deer and now we're going to go a little bit slower. We've given them a little bit of time and we're going back into pursuit. What do you think What do you think is a good tip? They usually will hold a direction for a while. Yep. You know, um, we just got him up. Say it's the second jump, like we just had. And say it had snow. Um, He's now gotten a look at us twice now, and he's sort of figuring that maybe these things are after me, right? So he may bust off, and he had to have gone at least uh, three-eighths of a mile or a half a mile before he would come to a stop. Yeah, it was quite a bit. You know, when they take off and run three, 400 yards or even 150 or 100 yards, and then you bust him a second time, and now he's probably likely to go about three-eighths to a half mile. They'll 
uh, usually have some kind of a barrier they'll cross. They'll they'll go up a hill. A little geographic separation. Yeah. Like brooks and swamps and stuff. Right. Something that's, put something between you. Yeah. Yep. The other thing is once they do put something between you, if there's a smaller inanimate more object, like a big blowdown or something, they're likely to go on the other side of that and have that between you and them. And then just they'll feel super safe going around something, right. and then they'll come to a stop. The other thing is they usually tend to stop where the wind is swirly. And in cover. Yep. And in some you, cover of some kind. Most and of they time, have another exit. Like the other thing too is when you're looking for deer, especially a deer that's a little bit on edge and like is looking to seek a little bit of shelter, something that we ran into um, when we were tracking two-step uh, last year. Uh, one of the things that he did was he was running for cover. And he was time. wounded too. So yeah. that made him even yeah, more. That was, that was the buck that another hunter had shot and dad and I went and found his track and started tracking him. It took us two days to finally get up to him. And then we, uh, we determined that he was he was good enough to go, but and we let him go. But the um, the thing was, you had to look in the junk because your eye wants to look to where it's open and where the right. woods guide you and where you can see. But you have to look in the junk, especially when they know you're coming. They want to get and tuck and just peer through something and see you coming and then dart out the other side because now they're on it and they're acting more like rabbits than they are like moose. Right? You know, deer almost have like a phase where they're like half around here they'll be more like moose and they'll be chill and relaxed and out in the open and good but all of a sudden as soon as they're stressed it's down in the junk and tucking and looking and diving through stuff and making you work for it they are they, prey animals so they may not stick with it for a long time that's the no. other thing they may not stick with junk for a long time you get them out of the junk and then you move them to some more junk somewhere else right they, they go up a mountainside and they crawl into a rock pile and then you kick them out of that rock pile and they shoot down off the hill go up onto another hill and into another rock pile you get him out of that rock pile now he shoots down into a valley and now he stops in the open mm -hmm. right it'll be some cover some cover some cover a couple three times of good fairly thick cover mm -hmm. then shoot across an opening and just stand on the far side of the opening so if he can he can See what really the deal is. know what is after me especially yeah. if their curiosity is up a little bit if you pulled the trigger on them and you wounded them now their curiosity isn't as big as I need forewarning they're coming so I'm out of here yeah. right there's a difference yeah like if they all I mm -hmm. need to do is hear him coming and I'm gone right they don't they don't care about seeing you as much the, the curious deer, a lot of times, are either young ones. Dead deer. Or they're, and any, dead or they're deer. really curious old ones, deer. and or they want to make sure yeah. you're coming. You are there inexperienced like, deers? Like, it might be a really big, mature buck, but he hasn't been dogged before. Right. And in, in this kind of a tracking scenario, so he's curious, because they're naturally curious. It's the same thing as your dog in your house. They're pretty smart. Oh, they're smart. But they do, there is a level of intelligence, and with intelligence comes that curiosity. Casey and I hopped on a buck. Um, I want to say it was two years ago. It was like 2018, I think. Um, and we, he had been jumped by, because uh, Casey had picked him up and taken him through the woods and got cut off. Because the, the buck went and cut uh, across the logging road and somebody else had picked him up and ran into the rig. So Casey says, whatever, I'll go down over here and I'll kind of parallel and see, see what the deal is, right? And he ended up picking up the track. They had jumped the deer and then bailed off of him. So Casey had picked it up. I met up with Casey. And now now the deer has been jumped and we're not the guys before, right? Because all of a sudden it's a running track. It's the same big buck 
and now there's no people on it. Right. So and you're like, probably a mile or more from where you started. Exactly. And it's like now we don't know the context of how the jump happened. Right. right? We don't know how much info that deer got about them. So him and I had picked it up and we took this big buck down in, oh, Jesus, in this swampy river mess. And the buck had actually, he hopped into the river, went up the freaking brook, what, like 50 yards, popped back out, went a little ways, went back into another finger of the brook. And then walked, like that buck has been dogged. And he knew the best thing to do, whether it was like coyotes or hunters or somebody, was to hide his track and hide, well, really his, hide his scent. He was looking to just kind of like get something to just kind of sneak away in. And that brook, I was just like, that deer is on it, right? And he would go out, circle back on him, walk down his own track, go walk on somebody else's track, hop in the brook, hop in the junk, and then boom. And then he ended up going another half mile and shooting across another road where we got cut off again <laughs> yeah. by somebody else. Either it was those original same guys maybe because I just Casey had said he'd been cut off. I didn't see the rig. But we come out and there's another another truck on him. It was like, geez, I think it was everybody out here. It was one of the first days of the season. So, you know, the woods are packed, right? And it was like that buck experienced. And that kind of deer, when you jump him, he didn't stop either. Like he was just like, do this, do this, do this, and then go, right? And when you have a big buck that has been has been messed up before, they don't stop. They don't mess around. They'll stay steady, and they're heading out of town. Yeah. A lot of times around here, that's the case. They'll almost seem to have like a big, miserable spot in mind. They know what works. That's right. And he was headed for that giant green ocean down in the valley of all of these what was spruce. It like? It's like 10-year-old 10, 10 just clear cut that had grown up into this spruce thicket. It looks like corn. Well, like, cause we've, we've yeah, seen we always it you, called it a corn. When you field, look up you know? on the on the yeah. ridge and you look down into that hole, it's this giant, flat, swampy suit. It's the only thing that's green other than the tippy tops of the mountains around here, yeah. and it looks like a cornfield. And you're like, that is misery. <laughs> and you just tell it, you're like, no, right? And there's no snow ever because it's so thick; it hardly touches the ground. Yeah, about eight inch spruce, you know, that are thirty or less feet high. Basically giant Christmas tree high. field. Yeah, and of course the branches are horrendous and they, they crawl into this giant, I don't know, it must have been, that's gotta be, I don't know, two, 300 acres hitched onto another, I don't know, 700 acres of swamp. Yeah. And he crawls down into that garbage and he's going out through that stuff. And now you, you can only see about 30 yards in there and it stays that same 30 yards for as far as you want to walk. All you'll see is 30 yards. And like, that's why I always hated being down in the flats or in the swamp at 30 yards with it's a, a deer. rabbit paradise. It, yes. And, and it's just, you, they, they are so good. Between the, rab- their nose, the rabbit jail. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> rabbit jail. Not quite rabbit jail, but close. Not, rabbit not, jail not is like enough. you can hardly not walk through enough. it. Yeah. yeah. Rabbits but, don't even go in there. Right. But, you know, it goes to show how they, they just, they know these areas. And, of course, it works for them. It, it's worked for them repeatedly to get people off their back. So they're going to do that on a fairly steady basis. And there's been a few buck. Once you've... Uh, worked a buck for a week or so you've learned where that stuff is you've kicked him a few times or I a lot of times I don't have to track the buck I mean somebody else can track him but I kind of track the progress of the hunt you know mm-hmm. if I drive out the road and yep there's the track of the guy over at that other road and he's already taken that deer over the hill and now he's come across this road and he started into another road and I'm doing my road work and I say oh that buck that's the same buck that was way over there and now he's over here and Four he's going this way if I say a week from now start him back over where that guy had him 
and he starts running that direction. I know the course he's going to run just about. You, you know? can you can almost lead the track and head there yourself. Right, and and you know come right into it. But it's one of those things. You're going to have to decide: Do I stay on the track? You know, what do I know about this buck? And of course, he's going to teach you his circle, and and that's the thing. When you uh, here's another scenario that can happen a lot when you're jumping and then re-jumping and stuff is like say you get up to him and you shoot and you don't hit him that great and now he's wounded and he's running you know the wounded deer is going to run way different way different oh, in yeah, a lot of sure. ways he won't be that big flaggy kangaroo nope. across the run clear with tail down head yeah. down yeah he's going to stick to the thickest nastiest stuff to try and shake you off especially from the real close ground cover yeah he's gonna, he's gonna the, the blackberry right bushes that. that are five feet high he's gonna he's gonna want to lay down yeah he may he go a short good. ways and lay down it'll be so thick where he is that as you come through it he'll hear you coming and he just kind of scoots ahead and scoots ahead and scoots yep. ahead and you're gonna have to really hunt a lot and go slow and easy especially with a wounded buck boy you go slow and easy but you have to stick with the blood right you gotta stick with the blood trail and you it's not it's so not he's worth gonna you getting the off the track either to try to hook him when he's down in that stuff it, most of the time it's not if it's you do a hook man it. it's like a hundred yard hook it's it's not it's and not it a big it's you know, a quarter half we had hook. actually pulled that at the very end of two-step and that's how we got him in in scope yeah we was we, we had to hook him because he kept he did the same thing he kept laying down in the nasty stuff and he was always right on the edge and you just can never head. get within 30 yards of him and see him and right. the stuff that he, he was, was in so you fun. had to be in 30 yards in order just to yeah, see him in order to get eyes at on 30 him. yards you know you didn't have 30 yards worth of visibility no. and of course at that distance he's going to hear you and away he goes those ears are awesome so there's there's a certain amount of like just getting near him and then go back to hunting and the amount of time you have at the end of the day is another big indicator. And, of course, stick with the blood as much as you possibly can. I mean, you've got to follow that blood. And the other thing that's worked really good is to mark your blood trail fairly visibly so that you can look back at it and then predict where it's going to go by the trail it's been making through the woods. Yep. It, it's They run fairly reliable, fairly straight-ish. You know, they look they, for the same paths that you would take. Yeah, and, and you can really figure it out in, in a lot quicker thing. But the thing is to be quiet and to hunt. Don't make a lot of noise. Don't get to yakking with your buddies, four or five of you all tracking a deer together, and everybody's talking back and forth, and it's this giant party down through the woods because he's going to hear that, and he'll get up and run. And, of course, you don't want him to run. You want him to stay put. So you have to really hunt nice and quiet and take your time and work it along. And, and even then, when it, you've got to be sure it's the right deer. Oh, you, you, there's a lot of things going on, you know, so be real careful. I've there. had deer, once I've jumped them, lead me to other deer to try and push me off on them. That's another scenario that's real that's common. Fun. Um, yeah. Moose do that. It, um, yeah. I've, oh, big yeah. buck, big buck, yep. experienced buck. I had a really big, um, we were up on cow, on the backside of cow, by the wall that we call it and i had a buck i jumped him he got a pretty good whiff of me and he was headed so i'm like well he's on the highway now and i'm this area is a big open stretch of hardwoods i know i need to see him in that hardwoods running otherwise i'm not gonna have a chance so i take off after him and he comes to a barnyard and goes into a barnyard and shoots out the other side of it trying to shake me off so i well come to a barnyard well 
he was running. So there's gonna be a running track in this barnyard because he came to it at a full run. So I hooked the barnyard and I found his track going out. I finished the, bar finished the loop and that was the only spot coming out. I go back through and I jumped three doe that he had tried to push me off from that were making that barnyard. They were in some greenery, doing some feeding, hanging out. And he's like, well, I'm trying to shake this guy off me. So right. I've had him lead me to moose. Mm -hmm. Ran right through a moose bed. Jumped. He jumped up two moose. He did everything he could to try and push me off other animals after I had jumped him. Right, just something to interrupt the chase that's going on behind him. When they really get to know, they know for sure that you're coming and you just keep coming and coming, um, like that buck with the 12 jumps in a day. Right, he's just a two and a half year old buck. Um, the first, the first time I track him for about three eighths of a mile. Um, he, he spots me, he sees me, and he just jumps off the top of this little knob. He goes about 150 yards down around the knob, stops in a little bit of greenery. I come up over the knob nice and easy, and I'm looking everywhere, and I don't see anything. He must have spotted me down there in the shadows, and off he goes, and I don't know it. I work down to the bottom of the hill, and I find where I've jumped him a second time now. Yep. And now he's really turned it on. Now, I went real easy. It took me probably 15... 15-ish minutes to go that 150 yards looking yep. for him. They were pretty decent woods, so I, I should have been able to see him if he was in a halfway decent spot, which he wasn't. He was in a pretty tight spot, and he managed to see me, and off he went. It was pretty open, and sometimes you have no choice but to walk in the open and go down. Right. You know, you don't have any choice. So he ended up picking me out, and he runs, and now he's he's burst off, and now he's running pretty good. He they, A lot of times they'll jump off, and they'll they'll hold a line. They'll like have a place in mind and away they'll go. They'll just kangaroo up through and start going. And then a lot of times they'll, they'll pull in kind of paralleling a ridge top, paralleling a brook, um, and then angle. As they're paralleling, all of a sudden they'll start angling and they'll angle up or angle down. Um, and this one here angles up and climbs up onto the next coming ridge. And I'm saying to myself, boy, it's been three eighths of a mile, almost half a mile now. We've gone quite a ways. And I've gone maybe in the first 20 minutes, I've gone a quarter mile. And now he's going up on, and I can tell, and he's been real steady jumping right along. Yeah, you can move so right So there's along. no sense in yep. me looking for him. Cover I'm just going to follow him, and I'm going to cover some ground. The second the terrain features start changing a little bit, and in the second his, his pace, his jump marks start getting closer together, and then he starts going to a trot and then he breaks down into a walk, I'm gonna be noticing that the instant it happens and I'm gonna gear right back. I'm gonna do what he does. And of course he goes up the hill a ways and now he needs a place to stop. And most of the time they'll stop in a, a human kind of spot. Flat. Right? Yep, someplace nice, flat, friendly. someplace with a little bit see. of view. Yep. 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 Um, even a little small outcropping shelf on a side hill, he'll pull up onto that and hit the brakes. He'll stop next to a great big tree or someplace like we, where you would normally stop. So he's working his way. He's not quite maybe a quarter of the way off the top of the ridge, and there's this nice little friendly shelf in front of me, and I said, right there. But I'm pretty covered as I approach it because it's it's fairly steepish angle, and the shelf goes back in a ways out of my sight, and I'm downhill quite a bit. So I, I'm not, I just be super quiet. I don't want to make any noise. Odds are good he won't see me if he's on the shelf someplace. So I'm just focusing on being real quiet, and I 
ease up to the top of that shelf and now I'm gonna crawl over onto the shelf super easy I'm gonna look for him to be there 50 yards right you know as soon as you get onto that shelf with them if there's a big opening it's thick woods everywhere and then there's an opening and if he pulls into the opening and hits the brakes on the far side of it or something and you bust out into that opening He's going out the backside instantly. So like whenever there's an opening, you're looking, whenever you're scanning the brush, you're looking for that hole in the brush. You're looking for the spaces beyond and you're looking through the brush. You, you want to see the buck in the opening before you enter it yourself. You don't want to enter it because the second you do, he's going to be out the other side. So like I want to look into the opening and spot him before I come out and then shoot from cover, right? The sniper thing, that's when you're shooting from cover and he doesn't know it's coming, but he's crossed that opening. He's feeling safe because there's some distance. He wants to get a look at you and he's standing over there waiting, watching. And I want to see that and, and pick that out before. And of course, a lot of times they'll, they're going to stand there. He might stand there for 10, 15 minutes straight without even moving just stand there and wait and see what happens and of course depending on the wind and what's happening with the wind which you have to pay attention to you're going to just kind of ease up to that opening you're going to start scanning the edges and anything big and obvious i do a quick swing with my eyes for the, all the big obvious stuff if he's standing in a wide open i want to see him it's yeah. pretty embarrassing when yeah. a buck is standing in a wide open and you just and walk I, it yeah and i didn't even see yeah. it right so first i swing my head that. and i do this big quick look then I go back and I pick every little bit of brush at deer level. Right. You know, where a deer would be standing on all of the ground out in front of me, that little three-inch zone all the way around. I'm looking for anything that's off, anything that moves. And I also try and make sure and always keep big eyes. I call it big eyes. Where I'm keeping my peripheral vision open as much as possible. And paying and attention anything, to any movement. Any movement at all, boy, you want to be on. Yep. The other thing, too, though, is... What I like to do is I like to look as far as I can the first round. So like whenever I'm going to scan, whether it's looking for a deer that I know is right here or just looking through the woods in general, I look as far as I can the first time. Because your reaction time to catch that and the, their ability to leave your, your field of view is a lot quicker. It's fast. Right? Because if you, if you can only see 100 yards... The farthest point you can pick out in the woods is only 100 yards into the woods. And they're at the 100-yard mark, and you're looking at 25, and they notice you and get comfortable in peace, you'll never see them go. So I always, I always try to look as far as I can real quick, scan everything out, and then slowly look slower and move my vision towards me. Because if a deer jumps at 25 yards in an open area, I'm going to have a lot better chance uh, identifying the deer and seeing if it's a buck and then maybe getting a good shot if, um, as opposed to 100 yards. You know what I mean? You look as far as you can, and you don't look at the woods. You don't look at the trees. You look at the spaces in between them. And you try to see, like, don't look at what's blocking your view. You look at what you can see through things. Always looking through and looking for little holes and kind of just, like, looking to see the texture. Because, like, deer hair has a texture to it. it. has Not only do they have, like, a shape and a color, but they also have, like, a pattern in their hair, like a texture to it. And you can, you can see that, too. If you love those hidden object finds... Yeah, you're gonna love tracking. Because that's that's well, it's literally what it is. is. And the hidden object find like those puzzles is great practice. That's like Windows 95 stuff. That used to come out on the computers. You remember that? Right, that's where you like click on the stuff. Jesus, that's nostalgia. Oh yeah, but that's literally what you're doing. Yeah, and and after a while, you'll you'll practice. You'll practice that. 
You'll come right in. <laughs> we, we haven't named a dear Waldo yet. That's a there great name. There has been a Walter. Yeah, right? that's a yeah. great name. Has Waldo. Been Walter. Where's Waldo? Right. But and that one's for you, Larry. Yeah. <laughs> but for the Walter. most part, you know, um, that's what you're gonna get uh, when you got a deer that that knows you're after them and and they they behave a little bit different and then after you start like continually kicking a deer up, you'll learn his kind of his gait, his you'll habits. learn his distance. Yeah, you'll learn how far he goes before he takes where he's comfortable, where he's comfortable, the kind of spots he likes to stop in. Right. And then, of course, um, the ones that start pulling tricks, they're usually the older ones. Yeah. yeah and the mature deer. And they had, only they only have a small before. bag. Yeah. The other thing, too, is if you're practicing this and say you got a two and a half year old buck, he is going to act like a doe. Yes. Now, I don't know Squirrely. how many people have spent any amount of time tracking does, but when you kick a doe like the second time in one day, <laughs> she shows you the way it's at. Right. You take a doe and you kick her twice in, in, in just like a half an hour. You get her up and she goes a little ways and you come on to her again. She is going to piece like you read about. She's going to show you all the little avenues to get She's out She's going to make a two and a half mile diameter circle <laughs> and she won't ever look back. Nope. She no. will make a giant swing and smash and crash and run through houses and fields and across interstates and like stuff you read about. Frozen lakes. Frozen lakes. They'll yeah. go right out on a That's freaking a good half one inch for ice. Cocoa Puff, right? Yeah. So it goes so they freak. Those freak. When they think you're after them, like a woman, right? We are gone. They don't mess around. No, that's yep. right. When no. they know, they know. And that's a safety device that works yep. awesome for them. And they teach that they're, to their farm. And, and does are less confident in taking on challenge than bucks are. You no know, question. In, most of the time, how how like much a deer freaks out has a lot to do with how much experience they've had in that situation. Yep. And a lot of times, like you've had a chance where the wind is blowing right at their face, right? There's no hiding it. They can see you. They can smell you. And they're looking right at your eyes and they don't run. It's because they have no idea what they're looking at. That's a wolf and they don't know that yet. But <laughs> this will be your first lesson. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And of course, younger bucks will act a lot like a doe. Yes. You get a spike, a four-pointer, mm -hmm. you know, a, a, a six-pointer, something that's a two-and-a-half-year-old or one-and-a-half-year-old. They run. are going to freak. You yep. hit them the second time, and mm -hmm. especially if it's right in their face, 15, ah. 20 yards, and they and you go, <gasps> and they go, <gasps> and then off they go. <laughs> they are going to show you where it's at, right? And they're yeah. just going to go crazy. Well, they're reverting back to the lessons that they learned as a fawn. Yes. And being still young, they're still they're adolescents. And when they're, they're in with other deer yep. or they come to other deer with that freaked out run, now that other herd of deer takes off yes. running, yep. right? They'll run crosswind or sidewind and they're, they're, say they're just side hilling on a, on a big ridge and they smell deer uphill from them, they will turn and run right up to those other deer. Looking for comfort, basically. And to run beside them and warn them all. We're leaving. There's trouble down there, right? That's one of the doe's Rodney's jobs. on his way. <laughs> that's one of the doe's jobs Running is to blowing. let the other deer know what's going on, right? That's, that's the flag. A, a deer characteristic. And they're blowing so, too. Yeah, so they go up through there and they disturb the whole herd and now yep. the whole hillside. Love that. I love that sound though. Yeah, it's almost like out west where you bump a deer and it just bumps and, and just dominoes the whole Scare, valley. Scaring the entire herd of buffalo kind of thing. Right, yeah, and off they go. 
Well, that's kind of the, the scenario that you'll get. And, and of course, that's, a, again, another protection thing for them to help steer you off and, and to break things up and let everybody know what's going on. You'll notice that sometimes your bigger, older bucks have more experience uh, being, being chased. They, they, they'll run a little bit, and then they'll just stay steady. Because they know, we'll just, this is where we're headed. We're going to stay steady. And it hasn't worked yet. They have never been caught before, right? They stay steady. No need to sprint and then stop and then walk and then sprint and then freak out and right. turn and left. And they're just like, we're just going to go click, click, click down into D. We're going to hop on 89 and we're out of here, right? No big deal. Now, they won't run real hard. No, they they'll just stay the, steady. They follow the, they the just speed go limit. Nice right? and steady. They yeah. don't break the law. Yeah, they, they just nice and steady. A lot of times the wind is at their back or they'll yep. crosswind a little bit later on. When they, when they feel comfortable, they won't let up that much, but they'll feel comfortable. And instead of having to go downwind or having to, you know, uh, stick with cover as much, they'll just be steady. We've had a few of them that once uh, big ones that have just stayed in the wide open and just continued and just continued. And, and we're like, man, we're going to catch him. He's not going that fast. You know, he's just kind of walking steady <laughs> fast in front of us. And like, if we run after this thing, you know, in the next patch of hardwoods, we might see him at the other end of it, just walking, you know, we might catch him. Yeah. You so wish we're, pal. <laughs> we've got the guns and we're, you know, last of the Mohegans running down through the woods trying to just just close a little more gap and with him moving he's less likely to hear us he's not really listening for us he's making noise himself but and he doesn't seem to be looking back but he's just kind of holding a line and he's leaving and we did that all day and we did it all day (laughs) and guess what that turned out to be a long long just jog we were just forest gumping it out in maine and it's like good luck buddy it ain't happening no i'm quick but not that quick and even then, <laughs> especially like pre-rut, you know, from like maybe the 8th to the... When they're in zombie mode 12th, anyway. Yeah, the 8th to the yeah. 12th or the 8th to the 15th and that kind of zombie mode. He's more likely to just maybe stop for a second and make a scrape because he just felt like it. Mm-hmm. And then just continue, go right back to walking again. Yep. He might pound his horns on a tree sniff or something, something a little bit, sniff something a little bit or check something out. But boy, he'll just keep right on plowing. And they'll get that like I'm leaving kind of thing and that's where you end up crossing townships yeah you know you like you go a long ways and up and over one mountain down the other side back up and over the next mountain down the other side and and then you get the you old he's the biggest track in the woods conundrum yep if I have to get a buck this is the one I want look at that track but but right he's just leaving you jumped in and he's headed out of town yeah and you ain't got all day. Sometimes, no, sometimes, you, cut, you're, sometimes yeah, you cut your losses. Yeah, and you're better off. A few times we have learned some inf- valuable information from it. He's right. brought me by some of his scrapes. He's brought me by where another buck lives. And he came to the other buck sign and he laid down his sign on top of the other buck. Or he showed now you I've got like a concentration of bucks that use this spot. Now I've got a place. If somebody wants to sit, I just found a location. Even though, like, of course, now it occurs to you, right? You now know his loop. Yes. And you say, well, hey, what if we... We all just, you know, you go up and hunt this way, and I'll just hunt where I happen to jump him last time. And if I hit him in the same spot because he likes to be here, he'll run down to you. But guess how well that works where we are? Good freaking luck. You have, it's like lottery, man. And if it does work, a lot of times your timing is off. Like he runs down this one it's skid through trail the right on side hill. Yeah, you have the right spot, yeah. but you, you the were right there spot, soon enough, the or you were off. too quick. Yeah, just like the the decoy buck with Jimmy. Yeah, when he when he shot Coco Puff, 
shot a shot a buck. He was. I found um, a, a spot where a moose had died. It was pretty fresh too, and uh, so I marked it my GPS, and I was like, "Well, I'll let the wardens know." And this is back here in Vermont. And Jimmy's like, "Oh, okay. I'll, I want to check this out. That's cool." And I took some pictures of it, and he's coming to me, and he happens. He comes through a nice clear cut, and there's a buck standing there. He could tell you more on the story. He shoots the deer. He says, "All right, got one." Well, the big boy was behind it, and it got up and ran away. And he says, "I shot the small one." <laughs> so I I meet up with Not Jimmy because I I lined up and I I knew where he was coming from. So I catch up with Jimmy. We get caught up. We deal with his deer, and he's like, well, go get that thing. You got daylight. So I said, okay. So I start after him, and, of course, Jimmy had spooked him pretty good because it was— he shot a deer right in front shot of a deer right in front of it. At <laughs> that 50, would spook me. At yes. 50, 75 yards. That would freak me out, too. Yeah. So he was already kind of hammering, and he was a nice buck. He was probably 160, 170. He was, yeah. a, you know, good he was almost as wide as his ears. Oh, good three-year-old. Good three-year-old buck, and I had to just about run as fast as I could go without hurting myself. And or to even have a prayer because he was flying. Well, you had mentioned um, about sometimes the timing just doesn't quite line up. Dad, I come over the radio. I'm like, hey, he, this is the direction he's going. If you cut him off, he's going to be in your lap. And Dad and an old girlfriend of mine, they were, they were double teaming. They got to the road that he was heading for. And I said, he's coming. You're going to see him. I'm putting him right in your face. They had split up and walked in two different directions to cover more ground. The deer went right between them. <laughs> you know, just a timing thing. Yep. And that happens a fair amount. Yeah. And really, there's not much you can do about it. You can give it a whirl and give it a try. And sometimes sometimes it does work out. And, right. and it's yeah. been a couple of times where um, even Jeff has told Jimmy, look, here we come. It's coming. It's going to be there. You better be there. <laughs> right? And he's a half, three-quarters of a mile from this spot. And he's telling him, get in this spot because... This buck, he's it's coming. It's going to be in your right. lap. For two guys. And sure and enough, to be and that up. far apart and oh, have yeah. that deer go right through, he knew that buck. Right. And he also on that deer. And both of them knew that area pretty well. Right. And that helps because they can, they can discuss it between Well, the lay of the land, too. They know the lay of the land. So, like, well, the deer's more likely to run through here because of how the con, you know, how geographically right. and the deer's habits. And like you said, they, they know the area. And they, they were able to communicate and make it line up. Sure. It's a lot of fun. Um, the other thing, like with double teaming, is that it's easy for the guy in the back, the guy in the back to put pressure or make it feel like he's pressuring the guy in the front to get going. It's easy for the guy in the front to feel pressured because there's someone behind him. He doesn't hunt the way he normally would. Right. right. You have to be careful to not change your hunting practices of what you would normally do if right. you're the shooter and you're in the front. That comes, right? too, with knowing your hunting partner. Yep. Yeah, that's a whole... That's a whole that's a another whole ball game. Is but it's, who you but hunt it's with. especially... You both have to be in sync when you have a deer that knows you're coming. Right. That's that's a whole like just that alone. Yep. Your practices are 100 percent different. It doesn't matter how you hunt when you're by yourself. What matters the most is this deer. We just bumped this deer. We're we're moving into we're moving into creep up on him mode. Like our tactics are changing. We got to go slow. We got to see him. We got to pay more attention. Now it's time to hunt. Yep. Right. It's not following the track anymore to you the know, deer. And there's a few rules to that that you're going to have to make between the two of you. You know, one of them is. What do you say or what's your signal if you see a deer? 
Most of the time, deer works really yeah. well. But, you know, <laughs> Taylor will go, but you have to come up with some kind of signals. Yeah. Now, w- one of the other things that's important too is if you're in the front and your co hunter falls behind, it's your job to get him up to you. Yeah, you have to, to keep not move ahead without him too much, especially if you have different abilities physically. Yep, that can be a little bit more. And more too, of a challenge. like the guy in the back sometimes might see something. I don't know right. how many times I've spotted something and you guys keep moving. Right. Now, if, I can, if you're out of reach and I can't grab you and it's a buck and he's off to the left or the right and he's standing there watching us, or they say there's just a doe standing there watching us, and I don't know what the deal is, and I hate to you know, start saying, hey, 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 hey. Scare and the deer off. Right, I can't get your attention, and you just keep moving. And the deer's watching you, but it's looking back at me and like, what is going on here, right? Being able to, to pay attention to each other and look at the woods all the time, right? That big all around you kind of mm-hmm. feeling. You have to keep that running all the time. Yep. Now, it's very tiring. So true. It takes it's a lot super of energy. tiring. Paying attention tires you out. Yes. Now, if, if it's a real slow, easy deer, it's pre-rut and he's just going easy and he's all by himself and you've gone half a day now trying to catch up with the business he did during the evening or, or yep. even like the morning. And he he's hasn't covered, he's covered a lot of ground, but he hasn't covered it quickly. So it looks like you need to go easy and you spend a lot of time creeping. The next thing you know, the next thing you know, you're tired. You know, the yeah. guy in the front gets so tired that after a while you can tell you're not paying attention so much, you know, I, especially when yeah. you guys were little, if you're hunting with like a, a younger person or something and their attention span is going down a little bit, you're better off to put them behind you and you now set the pace and you right. now tell them when to be quiet or how fast to go. And you take the time you need to scan things thoroughly and make up for the other person who isn't looking quite as good as right. they should be. Yeah. Most of the time, though, it is the guy in the back who sees a deer. It's just because the guy in the front's looking down. He's looking for obstacles to be quiet. He's looking for the path to take, like you said. To be quiet. Well, also, too, he's gauging the speed of the, of the game. Yep. He's looking at the track tons. So, you know, it's like one of those things. And, of course, once the deer starts jumping and running, um, now he's looking at those jumping tracks as far ahead as possible. Right. Because he might, in the next three jumps, come to a grinding halt and take a 90 and go 50 yards, and, and he's stop. standing 60 or 70 yards away to your right or left. Yep. And if the guy who's in the front is looking at those tracks and seeing those jumping tracks, then he sees him go to walk and it turns abrupt right 30 yards or 40 yards in front of him. Now he hasn't gotten to the elbow yet, and that's really good. And he said, whoa, brakes, look to the right. We'll have hand signals as we're going along, and we'll keep telling the guy behind us, he's pitching to the right, he's pitching to the left. Or slow down. Yeah, or or, or he's going easy, right? We have hand signals that we give out all the time. So paying attention to each other is very, very important. Right. And then, you know, have a – have – have the foresight to help your reel, the guy in the backseat mm-hmm. of your plane, have, have the foresight to tell him how things are going and what's happening. If the deer starts feeding, I don't even look back at you guys. I just go crunch, crunch, crunch. You make crunch the hand my signal that, hey, yep, he's, he's eating. eating. 
or or that he's just squirrel tailing around and yep. I do my finger in a squirrel tail motion, right? He's just right. he's just snaking around right here. Or if he's on the definitely on the right side, watch over there. You know? Or if he's loping, if he's running, you'll do the that hand signal to yep. be like, hey, he's running this way or whatever. Yep. What do you think is uh, like a top three? Do this that would work for most of the situations. What are three things that either like um, kind of like steps or things to keep in mind that like once you jump a deer, this is kind of like a good rule of thumb. These three things. What would you have to say that they are? Give them a minute and go real easy the first few steps. You know, you, you a deer jumped and took off and you give it a minute. You look it over good and now you're about to take a few steps. Go easy right then. Right. Stay pretty ready because, like we said, that buck could be standing there and it was a doe that ran off. Right. It could be vice versa. The buck might have left and there's a doe over here. And she pops up, you know, right? So you want to be careful and notice everything. And if so she's in heat, he's not going far. When, he's you, when you take off, pay attention. When you stop and you come to a stop, that's like when I'm ready to get my gun up. When I'm right. taking off and when I'm stopping. Right? Those are the two key times of like have have everything ready. ready to go. That that's the, the like a key time. Um, give them a little break. Start and stop easy and stay ready. And the other thing will be um, use your feelings. Yeah. What does it feel like? How does the deer feel? What is he? What's going on in the deer's mind right now? What was he doing before? You I'm looking him? at that track and I'm saying, well. What's what what is going on here? How did how does he feel the way he's acting and the way he walks? And I'll also look way ahead to predict where I think the track will go. That's great practice because if I stand on a hillside and I say it should go this way, I'm gonna try and predict where I think it would go and by the deer's attitude, by his size, by the woods, by how much sign I've seen on this hillside, how familiar I am with it. And I'll say, well, he's going to work his way up onto that shelf. Then he'll go into that greenery, snake along the side, and maybe drop down over, or he'll circle in bed up there somewhere, right? I'll make that prediction, and now I'll see if it unfolds. And a lot of times when you practice that, after a while, you'll start calling the shots, and you'll start being more able to pick the spot the deer is. a pattern. That's right. And now when I see him, I'm not surprised. The, the goal of it is to say, I'm not surprised when I saw this deer because I was looking. Yeah. Right. Right. I was expecting. I was ready. I was ready. I was looking. I was expecting. And there he was. That, because you want those things to come together exactly like that. So now. Now you have air, the best opportunity to. Crosshair safety done. trigger. I mean, that's right. just. Beav, what about you? What's a tip? What's a little tidbit? That, like if somebody jumps a deer. Don't take your camera. Don't be in a hurry to take out the camera. <laughs> but really, though, you know, make it a point and don't be in a hurry to, like you said, give him a minute. But I don't know how many times there was another deer. I walked in and he was laying a little spike corn. I thought it was a doe because it was the right size and it was laying down on the other side of these raspberry bushes, maybe 60 yards from me. One of the first real seasons I've been up in Maine with you guys. Yep. And my first instinct was cool. I'm into filming now. This is new to me. It's fresh. I want to bring something to camp. That was my big goal for a long film. time. I want to have the film of the day award. Especially here. when the deer has already run off. Right. <laughs> and He's like, what's so the big deal, man? I, I was cares? filming. Exactly. I was in a hurry, took out the camera. Right before I hit record, he jumps up. And when he clears the raspberry bushes, I see six inch spikes. 
<laughs> and in unorganized townships in northern Maine, if it's the size, if it's a three-inch spike, you can shoot it. Cool. So don't be in a hurry to take out the camera. <laughs> you know, make the deer the priority for the moment. And you've got all times. You, it's situational too. Yeah. But yeah. I say that's probably my. What's yours? My What's tip. yours? Just because you jumped him, day's not over, right? Right. You like a lot of guys. They'll they'll want to just go up there and get him before he knows they're there, which is the best way to do it. If he doesn't know you're there, you have the major advantage. Because that's the other thing. If he doesn't know you're coming and you know where he is and you have his track, most of the time that deer is kind of screwed. You're going to get to see him. You're going to bump him sometime. But if you do, that's not the end of the world. right? You can still bump a deer day after day and still track him down and get him. It doesn't mean anything. If anything, he's going to teach you what he's made of, what his patterns are, and where he goes. Where does stress deer run, right? It's just education. You don't need him, right? Whoa back. You don't need to get a deer, which takes the pressure off. Because yeah, who does. cares, right? You're like, I, I'm in this to learn. I'm in this for adventure. I'm in this to see what I'm made of and what he's made of. Yeah. Right? Don't let your identity and your that's needs right. get in the way of what you're doing here. You want to be completely in the flow. See, right. that's, that's one of the most important Stay things. Stay in the pocket, man. That's right. Because it's so easy for ego, the, the sense of I, right? Oh, for sure. The sense of I and the sense of I doing to get in the way of the naturalness, the flow yep. of just being you and it. just doing it, right? You know, everybody says, I want to get in the zone, right? I want to be in the zone. Like if, if you're Mark Spitz, right, and you're swimming, you're, you're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about the moment. swimming and just doing. And, you're and in it. Just like when you're operating your truck and you're driving it down the road, you're not thinking about all the little different things it takes to drive. You're right. just doing it. And right. it's automatic, right? You want to get into that automatic kind of feeling doing and get rid of some of the sense of I and a little bit of the ego if you don't catch them or things aren't going to work good, right? You start adding all these little things in in your mind and keeping your mind straight is, is a real important thing. Yeah, just because you jumped him, it's not the end of the world. No. And it doesn't mean that he got a good whiff of you. It doesn't mean she knows you're coming, right? It was just they they felt something. They Something happened. They felt a reaction. The reaction was to run, so they ran. Dude, relax. Both of you need to chill. So take a minute, chill, and then go get him. You're not reactive. They're not cognitive like we are. They just they just respond to the situation at hand, and they move on from it's it. Turned the, it's also turned the game up a little bit. Right. Because now both of you are paying attention, right? It woke <laughs> yeah. both of you up. Because yep, you might have right. been lollygagging, flip-flopping, jumped a deer. Deer's like, oh, that was somebody. And you go, oh, that was a deer. And now both of you awake, and now the game is completely different. And it keeps it. Like, I like jumping deer. One, you know they're fresh. And two, it freshens things up as a whole. It's and when you, when I like you, seeing deer. Yeah. <laughs> when you get on a six or seven or eight, or even a couple of nine-year-olds. We shot two nine-year-olds. In the same year. In the same year, that right? That was awesome. you know, a great year. When you, when you get on a, a, a mature, you know, five-plus-year-old deer that's really been pounded a lot, it is so much fun because he doesn't run. <laughs> Getting a deer that is old and knows, and after you bust him a bunch of times, that is an accomplishment. That's what, that'll be the greatest feeling that you've ever had ever that that's the last of the mohegans hunter like we're out here real struggle get it done and that like the pride that you get from getting that deer is way different than walking up and shooting one in his bed guaranteed right that was a gimme 
That's no a gimme, question. dude. It's, it's a huge thing, and it's a whole new game when you kick them up and you do it repeatedly to an older buck. Mm -hmm. And if for some reason all of a sudden he just lets down his guard a little bit or he runs across another buck and the two of them have a face off in the woods and he forgets about you and then you pull up at the end of the day and you say, remember me? Pow. <laughs> that will be the greatest feeling. Classic. That will be the greatest feeling of accomplishment like you could, I think you could ever have when it comes to deer hunting. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing that, that's the like holy grail that everybody kind of is looking for. And, right. and it's, it's I, I don't care if he weighs 198. I don't care. Got nothing to do with that. It's an arbitrary 147, a, man. Yeah, everybody said, well, 200 is what we want, and that's what we want to get, and all that. And well, that's all well and good, that's but you know what? by effort. Yeah, that's right. And like when, when it's, it's that kind of quality of a buck, you know, and, yeah. and even if it's the last day of muzzleloader season and he just got in a huge fight with another buck and he's all beat up and he's got black and blues all wicked. over his hide and, and he's butt. laying there sleeping you know and and you close the deal on him you've really done something and that is such a tremendous feeling you know um like ryan morris's last year that that old old buck that he shot this year this last season you know just what an old old boy that had been around a long time and when you get a buck like that it's really quite a feeling uh mm -hmm. jeff's Jeff's big deer there in, in Bowman. Just what an incredible deer, oh, yeah. you know? And when those old giants, when you get one of those, it's really quite a feeling. And when they've, they've been out there for so long, they've, they've been dodged. Tracked. They've been tracked and dogged by some of the best hunters in the whole U.S., you know? And when you go out onto that public land and you get that monster that nobody else could get that's an eight or nine-year-old on open land like that. Mush that buck. Yeah, that's quite a feeling. The you know? king of the forest. Mm -hmm. The, the king so like all those things just come together for you and the reward is so awesome you learn really you learn more by trial effort and failure than by any successful hunt ever and it's a fail forward it is oh, of course. it's a fail forward oh absolutely i've had a couple of giant big ones even like in the allagash that i couldn't not follow their tracks were a day or two old and i said you know what i i don't have a fresh one of this deer but I'm going to look at that track. I've just learn. got to walk out and see what that deer's like. Let's go for it. Yeah, and it's 270, you know, great big giant. And you get on that thing and you start following it. And it's a privilege to look down at those huge, huge, huge tracks. You need to stick the hook to your belt and under your chin to keep your <laughs> nose off the ground. Because you can't track, stop staring at the thing. The track is so attractive. Right? Looks like a calf moose yeah, walking right. around out in yeah. the woods. So that, that is so, it's such a good thing, you know. And and it would have been nice to see what that buck looked like in real life. But I just as soon let him live as a legend in my mind. You know, later on, there's nothing wrong with that. And a buck that gets away, good for him. Doesn't hurt my feelings. He earned it. That's no, right, that's yeah. Right. And, and when it's been a, a whole season of, you know, three, four, five weeks of hunting and you've been after the same three bucks for four or five weeks straight and no one has gotten them, I have educated a serious, <laughs> a serious amount of deer. They have never been pushed so hard, never, never had to get out of every little place that they ever were in. I've educated some deer, and that might not be to your advantage to continually <laughs> educate them, but it's often to the deer's advantage. Yes. And it doesn't hurt my feelings to sharpen up an old buck. It's it easier. doesn't hurt my feelings yeah. a bit. It's easier to get a deer that doesn't know you're coming. But to, oh, get, no to get one that knows you're on him, especially after a jump or two. It's a whole new level. The effort, the 
the feeling of kind of not not necessarily just triumph but the pride in yourself in your success and in the struggle it makes the deer worth it so much more and you have so much respect for that deer it's so oh, sweet it no does question. and it's it's, it's a it's an epic struggle and an epic chase and you know we kind of we kind of encourage you to honestly jump a deer <laughs> Like don't, don't start hunting until one's running, right? Just to give that experience a go and just to not only test you as a, as a tracker and as a hunter, but also give that, you know what, let's make that deer a little bit stronger. Let's make him a little bit more aware, make him a little bit smarter because, you know, especially the young ones, it's easy. It's easy to want an easy one. You know what I mean? Where like it walks out of the gravel pit, 250 giant hog and it tips over and to really want the deer. But when you know that you love to hunt, you want something difficult, you know, to go after the same deer multiple days in a row and to really hammer him. That that doesn't make it easier to get him. No, but it, it makes it but it harder. makes it romantic and it makes it it makes it worth every second you spend in the woods. All the energy and all the miles you're gonna put on, it makes it worth it. And you guys gotta go for it. it it's legendary. It does. Legendary. <laughs> but I think that's uh, I think that's a pretty good wrap to this podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you learned a few tips. Hope you're gonna give it a go and try it. Don't be discouraged by you know just because they leave. Game's not over. You can still do it. Let us know how you make out. Yep. And they can't fly. <laughs> you know? Thank if, God. If you jump a deer, <laughs> he, he can't fly. New England right? sucked on. Okay, I quit then. Yeah. Right? I'm done. He can't fly away. So take your time. I've crow hunted. No. <laughs> if you guys have any questions or suggestions for uh, topics and podcasts and stuff, feel free to send, uh, shoot us an email. We, we read them all over to askmountaindeer at Gmail, a little one we created just for you podcast listeners, uh, A-S-K-M-T-N-D-E-E-R at Gmail. And uh, we'll do our best to cover all these. We're going to do a Q&A um, podcast coming up here pretty quick where we kind of discussed all the, you know, all the topics that you guys have in mind, kind of, you know, draw from our experience and see if we can help you get a big old buck and have a good time out in the woods. So thank you all so much for uh, listening here at the shop Mountain Deer in Northfield, Vermont. We're signing off for this time, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Good luck, guys. Happy hunting.